to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Good day, Texans. My name is Jeb Bashaw. This is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. As you know, we're available on Spotify and Google, iHeartRadio, and other facilities. So please look out for us on A Texan's View of the World. Today, I want to talk about what I'm calling Four Years in the Desert. Today is January 20th, 2021, and it's Inauguration Day, as stipulated by our founding fathers. Today is a holy day in American politics, because this is the day since our founding that we have celebrated the peaceful transition of power that makes this American experiment so unique. Sadly, that ended in 2017, when a group of armed mobsters went to Washington, D.C. Today, the inauguration will not be celebrated. It will be tolerated by 75 million Americans who rightly believe the election was stolen. This is not a conspiracy theory or right-wing nuts. This is the considered opinion of the most trusted people in the world as it relates to statistical data. It's confirmed by the protests lodged by those who say they want a fair and free election but who have no interest in making sure that happens. And finally, today will be memorialized by the 25,000 U.S. troops standing guard behind a wall, a wall of all things, to make sure that Joe Biden is inaugurated as the 46th president. Today will go down as a sad day, and one that will be in the history books for years to come. This is something that hopefully will be taught to our grandchildren and their children as to how not to run a republic. We look and act like a banana republic, and for that, the left side of the aisle, headed by liberals in the Democrat Party, bear all the responsibility. How do we get here? It's important to go back to 2015. In 2015, the country was coming through one of the most divisive times in our history. We elected a person of color, not once, but twice. His father was Kenyan, and his mother was an American citizen. We were coming out of what was known as the Great Recession at the slowest recovery rate in the history of the United States. The Great Recession was, of course, caused by a bubble created by Democrats and their rhino allies to extend ever-increasing credit to people who could not afford to pay it back, specifically the housing bubble. You see, homeownership is not a right. It's a privilege. The privilege is yours if you work for it. As a result of loose lending policies and a lenient Federal Reserve egged on by a ridiculous belief that homeownership was a right, the economy faltered. The fact is that this was caused in the Clinton presidency and facilitated by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, two quasi-governmental agencies that believed somehow you could lend substandard borrowers 110% for every 100% of value and somehow miraculously come out whole. This was the infinite Ponzi scheme, and it's also the greater fool theory. The Democrats, without a single bipartisan vote, had created Obamacare, a health care plan so bad that no one knew its actual name because the actual name was so fraught with ridiculousness that no one wanted to own it. As Speaker Pelosi said at the time of the passage, quote, of course we have to pass it before we read it, close quote. While she may be a stupid woman on the face of this comment, it's more important to realize how stupid she thought Americans were and are. This is what caused the upheaval in the 2016 election, an entire cadre of lifetime political officials who wanted to retain power. 
I'm old enough to remember who Khrushchev was, and I want you to remember Khrushchev's prediction. And this was his entire quote. A sobering reminder, it's been over 60 years since once since Russia's Khrushchev delivered this. Many of you may not remember his quote or even were alive when Mr. Khrushchev of the Soviet Union made his remarks to President John F. Kennedy. It was in September of 1959, and this was his quote. Your children's children will live under communism. You Americans are so gullible. No, you won't accept communism outright, but we will keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you will finally wake up and find you already have communism. We will not have to fight you. We will so weaken your economy until you fall like overripe fruit into our hands. The democracy will cease to exist when you take away from those who are willing to work and give to those who would not. Remember that. Socialism leads to communism. So how do you create a socialistic state? And there's eight basic levels of control. Number one is health care. Control health care and you control the people. Number two, poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if you're providing everything for them. Number three, debt. Increase the national debt to an unsustainable level. That way, you're able to increase taxes, and this will produce more poverty. Number four, gun control. Remove the ability to defend themselves from the government. That way, you're able to create a police state. Number five, welfare. Take control of every aspect, food, housing, income, of their lives, because that will make them fully dependent on the government. Number six, education. Take control of what people read and listen to, and take control of what children learn in school. Number seven, religion. Remove the belief in God from the government and schools because the people need to believe in only the government, knowing what is best for the people. And number eight, class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and the poor. Eliminate the middle class. This will cause more discontent, and it will be easier to tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. This is a perfect parallel to the Democrat agenda. So let's review where we are today. Number one is health care. In 2009, under a Democratic leadership led by the President and Nancy Pelosi, without one Republican vote, the Obamacare disaster was passed, effectively taking over one-sixth of the gross domestic product of the United States government. Today, costs are greatly higher, there are less choices, and there are hardly any more insured. Health care is a right. Health insurance is not. This was the beginning of the final, quote, solution. Never has a bill passed with so much impact without a bipartisan approach. Not Medicare, not Social Security, not welfare reform. Not a single one. Number two, poverty. Between 2009 and 2016, President Obama added 40 million people to the poverty rolls. Did they get poor? No. He just changed the metrics so that 40 million people were eligible for more free stuff. This is not how a, quote, safety net works. This is how socialism works. Taking from those who work and giving it to those who don't. As a reminder, you can't make poor people rich by trying to make rich people poor. Obama raised taxes 30%. 
and the actual cost of living increase for poor people, thereby further reducing their position in life. Number three, federal debt. In the eight years Obama was president, we increased the national debt by more than 100%. Think about that for a second. President Obama, the 44th president of the United States, increased the national debt by more than all of the other 43 presidents combined. Let me say that again. President Obama, the 44th president of the United States, increased the national debt by more than all of the other 43 presidents combined. Number four, gun control. Sound familiar? The left has made taking away your rights to own guns not only a battle cry, but a fundraising tactic. Interestingly, this is a right, and it's guaranteed by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. It was so fundamental to our founders that they actually codified it. They didn't codify housing or health care or education, but they did memorialize guns. Why? Because they had not just come back from a hunting trip and thought it was fun. No, because they had just came back from a revolution and knew what happened when the government had guns and you didn't. This is not an American problem. This is a worldwide problem. This is what every government does when they want to take your personal liberty. They first take away your guns. Number five, take control of your housing, food, income. Sound familiar? Do you think the COVID lockdown is about the disease? We've had disease and pestilence and all types of things in the history of this country. Well, if you believe science, then you know it's not. It's about unfettered control of every aspect of your life. Don't believe me? Try to go to a bar in California. You can't, but you can go to Walmart. Is there some science that COVID doesn't happen in Walmarts, but only in bars? It does happen in small stores and churches, but it doesn't happen in big stores? This is nuts. What is HUD all about? Urban housing to control where people live? Effectively, we have moved poor people from the plantation to the ghetto. How un-American is that? And finally, income. We are now giving out checks to Americans in the name of COVID relief? We have now completed the trilogy of dependence on the government. Number six, education. Take control of what people read and listen to and take control of what children learn in school. This is certainly no shocker. For the last 40 years, the teacher unions and bureaucrats and liberal elites have taken over public education. They send their kids to private school and bus your kids to poor schools. How's it worked out? The U.S. has now dropped from number six in the world to number 20 in the world in educational attainment. And what are these kids learning? Well, number one, America is bad. Number two, there are more than two genders. Number three, you can choose your gender. And number four, two plus two equals five. Well, not exactly, but it's close, so you get credit. This is not exactly a great record of educational success. We have raised literally a generation of idiots. Number seven, religion. Remove God from the government of the schools. Again, the founders did not want a national religion, but they did want religion. Again, they didn't come from Mrs. Bailey's Sunday school class. They came from fighting a revolution to be allowed who they could worship and when and where they could worship. As a child, we always said the pledge in the morning prayer. Today, children see athletes kneeling rather than standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. 
God help us. Finally, number eight, class warfare. Isn't this really what it's all about? Pit the rich versus the poor, black versus white, straight versus gay, college educated versus non-college educated, whiteness, white privilege, black lives matter, but white lives don't. Only an idiot could come up with that line of thinking. Assuming those things existed and they don't, how would you fix it? Sharpies? Paint? How stupid is that? We color everyone black or brown? And finally, to what end? Are we all supposed to be black or 50-50 like Obama? Or what's the perfect level of blackness? The number of blacks in this country as a percentage of our demographics has remained relatively constant at 13%. Why is that? Well, there's a few reasons. Abortion and black-on-black crime. And that's it. If you want to quote even the numbers, quit killing each other, period. That doesn't have anything to do with whiteness or white privilege. Maybe white liberalism at best. And finally, the latest right invented, college. Why in the hell would anyone think college is a right? The answer is it's not. More importantly, you can't tax one group of people to pay for another person's perceived right. 66% of the people in the United States do not have college degrees. They're plumbers, airplane pilots, electricians, carpenters, and they all do just fine. They all make more than $50 an hour, which for you liberals is $100,000 per year. That means equal opportunity, not equal outcomes, period. So when you belabor on about $15 an hour, the question becomes, Why would you ask 66% of the people to put down their $50 an hour job so they could get $15 an hour guaranteed by the federal government? Crazy. So as we go into the next four years, and I believe we'll enter one of the darkest periods in this country's history, make no mistake, I am an optimist by design and by life. But I can also see a storm coming. It started 12 years ago when we elected the most divisive president in our lifetime. It has been perpetuated by swamp dwellers on both sides of the aisle, liberals and Republicans. The only mistake the founders made was to not have term limits. But who would have thunk it? Politics is not a business, despite what people like Pelosi, McConnell, Schumer, and others want you to believe. It is an honor to serve our country. I believe they have all besmirched that honor by their deeds and their words. The so-called attack on the Capitol was not an attack on democracy. It was an attack on those who have held office for too long, for too much personal benefit, by those who have been the victims of the swamp dwellers' actions. The United States of America is the greatest country in the history of the world. Our founding fathers entrusted us with its care for generations to come. Dear Lord, please don't let this generation screw it up. May God bless America, God bless this new administration, and God bless Donald J. Trump the greatest American president in modern history. Always remember, in good times and bad, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World.